Hello, and welcome to Actively Speaking. I'm your host, Steve Blyberg. Join us each episode as we discuss current issues concerning capital markets and portfolio management from the perspective of an active manager. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Actively Speaking. Uh, today, we have a very special guest. My guest today is Bruce Cooper, who is the CEO of TD Asset Management. Welcome, Bruce. It's great to be here. Thanks, Steve. Uh, now, prior to your um, uh, elevation to being the CEO, you spent a number of years as CEO and CIO. And prior to that, you were also just the CIO. And, and I should, for anybody who thinks that might mean like chief information officer, it means <laughs> chief investment officer. So how, how long did you spend as a chief investment officer at TDS and management? I was five years as a CIO, and then my background is equities. So I was head of uh, our equities group uh, for about 10 years uh, prior to that. And going back in time, sort of an analyst on the equity side and a portfolio manager on the equity side. Got it. I should also mention, just for anybody who doesn't know, that Epic, of course, is is owned by TD, and so TD Asset Management is essentially a sister company of, of Epic's. What we wanted to talk about today was this whole concept of a chief investment officer. And uh, Bruce, we're going to talk to you about what does a CIO do? Uh, I think it's a role that not everybody is familiar with, uh, necessarily, people who are listening to this podcast. Um, if you aren't familiar with the role and you hear the title, you may think, well, the chief investment officer makes all the investment decisions. But that's not what it is. So uh, briefly outline for us, what is it that a CIO does? What are the responsibilities of a chief investment officer? Yeah, so sometimes the, the best questions are the simplest questions. What, what does a CIO actually do? I think there's a few things I would, I would highlight. Um, all successful investing starts with a, a sound philosophy. I think a big part of the CIO's job is to ensure that you've got a, a philosophy that stood the, the test of time. Obviously, here at Epic, uh, free cash flow is very central to the way you think about investing. And so that's your philosophy. And it's kind of that, that North Star that uh, in difficult times uh, in markets, you can um, be guided by. And so I think that uh, articulation of, of a philosophy is hugely important. Um, getting the right people in the right seats. Uh, you know, the, in the end, this is a, a people business. Uh, uh, investment excellence, adding value for clients is, is not an easy proposition. So you need to make sure the right people are there and that they're there for a very, very long uh, period of time. So I think that's um, hugely important. And then <clears throat> ensuring uh, that uh, you get results. You know, so it sounds like a simple thing, but uh, someone's got to make sure um, that uh, you, know, you put points on the board, that people are accountable. And I think the CIO's job is to ensure that after you've put the right people in the right seats and they've got that philosophy, that they're sticking to that philosophy <clears throat> and delivering the portfolios that our clients expect uh, year in and year out. Okay, uh, that's that's a good answer. Let's, let's dive in a little deeper on some aspects of that. So you talked about um, portfolio managers attracting, yeah. you know, how do you get good portfolio managers in place? So how, how do you uh, attract and then retain you know, talented portfolio managers to an investment management organization? Yeah, you know, I think people want to work in a growing and successful organization. Um, you know, as you mentioned off the top, um, I'm from TD Asset Management. Um, I've been there for about uh, 25 years, give or take. And when we started, uh, our asset management business was, I think, four people on the equity side and, and two people on the fixed income side. So wow. it's a, a relatively modest organization. Uh, today, just in the investment team, we're over 200 people. And of course, that's created opportunities for people like myself, but all sorts of other people. And so I think 
growth is really fundamental uh, because it allows people to manage their careers and blossom and, and take on additional responsibilities over time. Uh, you know, compensation is, of, of course, important. Um, but in a, lot, in a lot of ways, I think the easiest, you know, y- y- we have data on what, you know, uh, peers make. And so you have to hit the bullseye. Um, uh, so it's important, but not complex, uh, I would say. And I think culture is uh, hugely important. You know, at, in our shop, we have what we call a collaborative culture, um, you know, which means, you know, we we'd expect that people won't go into their office, close the door and, you know, stare at their screen all day. We're, we're here to work together to, to build solutions for our clients. We think collectively we're better than we are as a group of individuals. And I think uh, we found that, uh, it sounds trite, but I think it's super important. If people like working somewhere, you know, they like getting up in the morning, walking in the door, they'll come back the next day. And so I think if you kind of do all those uh, things, then uh, you'll be able to attract and retain the brightest people. And then it kind of builds on itself, right? You know, if you've got the best people, mm-hmm. you know, the next person walks in the door and says, gee, this is a pretty great place and they're happy to stay. Right. I'd like to work with those people. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Um, so in the past, mm-hmm. and I, when I say the past, I mean like the 1960s, 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. um, banks and insurance companies, when they, uh, in their asset management divisions, were kind of known for mm-hmm. having like centralized investment committees. Yeah. And even though you had portfolio managers there, a portfolio manager did not have complete latitude to buy yeah. whatever he or she wanted. There, there was a, an investment committee that created a, an approved list of stocks yeah. that the PMs could buy from. And then in the 1970s and 80s, 90s, there was, at least in the United States, a big wave of, quote, boutique asset managers. Yeah. And uh, they, you know, at times were uh, it went to extremes. We had this expression, you know, gunslinger yeah. uh, portfolio, mm-hmm. go-go portfolio managers mm-hmm. who each one could do whatever they wanted. And uh, how do you, as, how does a chief investment officer strike the right balance between those two extremes? Because, you know, uh, you don't want somebody to be totally unsupervised. Yeah. Uh, but you don't want, you don't want to completely limit their freedom such that you can't, you can't attract really talented people if they feel like they're not yeah. going to have any enough freedom. Yeah. So I think about, you know, key things we're trying to drive here. Process is important, which I think is what you're getting at. I'll get back to that in a second. Accountability, I think is, is really important. And nimbleness, um, is important. Um, and some of these, uh, you know, there could be tensions amongst all these things, to, you know, depending on what process you uh, have. In our system, uh, we give the portfolio manager freedom to make the decisions. And the philosophy we've had is I'm going to hold the portfolio manager accountable for the performance. Therefore, I need to give them the responsibility to make decisions. Um, having said that, <clears throat> if you, you start with that idea of a philosophy, which we touched on right at the beginning, you know, portfolio, a good portfolio manager is going to want to make sure that the proce- the, there's a process in place to ensure that you can have the disciplined implementation of that philosophy. And so I don't think these things are necessarily, um, there's a huge tension here. Uh, you know, if you hire the right people, they're going to want to make sure uh, that they've got analysts that are um, doing the work to provide the recommendations, uh, consistent with the philosophy that allows them to make decisions. <clears throat> but I, you know, we've shied away from this kind of committee approach. I think this this why I kind of raised this idea of nimbleness. Um, look, markets are prone to sharp dislocations, right? You know, stocks can go down 5, 10, 20% a day or up. You, know, you need to be 
quick to make decisions. And I think you know if if a portfolio manager is unencumbered by a kind of uh, bureaucratic process or you know a, a quarterly or monthly meeting, uh, they can react in the way you would want them to. Uh, so that's that's kind of how we come at it. <clears throat> Individuals make decisions, but they're surrounded by a group of talented people. There's a process in place, but you know it, it leaves room for uh, that that quick decision making. Uh, which is, to be honest, a lot of the value you add, I think, is in those stressful times. Mm-hmm. You know, either good or bad. You know, buying stocks when they're under pressure or selling when they get too exuberant. And I think uh, that that quick decision making is an element of that. Uh, so, in your experience as a, as a CIO, and you mentioned um, TDS management has about uh, two hundred people, over two hundred people. So, how much of your time as CIO was spent kind of on the investment? Pure investment side of things, working with portfolio managers, uh, developing processes, working with analysts, talking about how research should be done, and how much was sort of on the other side, more personnel management, you know, HR kind of stuff. Uh, What is that mix like for a CIO, and how does that change as the firm gets bigger? Yeah, well, uh, the people issues become more complex and involved as the firm gets bigger. There's no question about that. But I think a lot of these things end up being intertwined, you know, so I think a big part of the role of CIO is kind of coach, mentor, leader. And so you might be talking to someone about markets or a stock or the current environment. Um, And so on one level, it's a conversation about, you know, a decision you might want to make or um, how you want to structure a portfolio. But on a different level, it might be about um, you know, guiding that person, helping them make decisions. You know, as, as people are earlier in their, in their career and young, uh, sometimes, <clears throat> you know, they get a bit frozen during stressful moments. And so they just need someone to hold their hand and, and coach and mentor them. So I think, you know, that's where yeah, I think right. these things kind of come uh, together. You know, most of the personnel issues are not really about, of course, at certain times of year, you've got you know, whether it's annual performance ratings or compensation. But in the big picture, those don't take a lot of time. Most of the personnel issues are really around coaching and mentoring, I would say. Mm-hmm. So presumably there came a time, you said you started out as you were a portfolio manager. Yeah. And eventually you became the chief investment officer. At some point, did you give up your responsibility over any portfolios? Over, I, I did. And, and um, how did you feel about that? Yeah, I had very mixed feelings about it, to be very honest with you. I loved being a portfolio manager. You know, being a portfolio manager is probably one of the great jobs in the world. Uh, but you know, our firm is at a, a scale where it was hard to do uh, both. And you know, I, I kind of look at it philosophically. I got to spend, let's say, half my career uh, analyzing stocks and building portfolios. And hopefully I get to spend another half of my career building a business and leading people. And to be honest, they're both incredibly satisfying uh, jobs, and you know, I'm lucky to have been able to do both. Uh-huh. So, so in the end, how does having a CIO in an asset management <coughs> firm benefit the firm's clients? That's really yeah. what we're here for, is to totally. provide a service to our clients. So how, you know, how would you explain to a client why, how a CIO, having a CIO at a firm, as opposed to, like, I just hired this PM to manage my money. Yeah. Why, why does a firm need a CIO? How does that benefit clients? Yeah, I think of it as, you know, we give a series of promises to our clients. Um, you know, if you buy this product or buy this solution, here's what you should expect. And, you know, think about that, that product comes in a tin, and on the outside of the tin, it says something, right? Um, you know, if it's shareholder yield here at Epic, there's certain expectations that get built into buying that product. I think the CIO's job is to make sure that the promise we've given to our clients um, is consistent with the experience that they have over time. Um, 
And you know, that comes back to all the things we've been discussing. Do you have the philosophy? Have you got the right people? Are they adhering to that philosophy? Is the process consistent with um, the discipline implementation of that philosophy? So I think that the, um, the CIO is really there for the clients. Um, and uh, you know, are we delivering that investment excellence? Okay, Bruce, well, that's very clear. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us here on Actively Speaking. It's been great to be here. Okay, and uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Terrific. Remember to subscribe to Actively Speaking on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. You can find all of our previous episodes and additional content on our website, www.eipny.com. The information contained in this podcast is distributed for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment product. Information contained herein has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but not guaranteed. The information contained in this podcast is accurate as of the date submitted, but is subject to change. Any performance information referenced in this podcast represents past performance and is not indicative of future returns. Any projections, targets, or estimates in this podcast are forward-looking statements and are based on EPIC's research, analysis, and assumptions made by EPIC. There can be no assurances that such projections, targets, or estimates will occur and the actual results may materially be different. Other events which were not taken into account in formulating such projections, targets, or estimates may occur and may significantly affect the returns or performance of any accounts and or funds managed by EPIC. To the extent this podcast contains information about specific companies or securities, including whether they are profitable or not, they are being provided as a means of illustrating our investment thesis. Past references to specific companies or securities are not a complete list of securities selected for clients, and not all securities selected for clients in the past year were profitable.